Greetings, everyone. This is Terry Naturally with another edition of Terry Talks Nutrition. We're here every Saturday and Sunday morning from 8 o'clock till 9 o'clock Central Standard Time, coming from Green Bay, Wisconsin, in the U.S. You can listen to us locally, as you are probably doing now, and there are many people joining us around the world by going to our website, terrytalksnutrition.com. You can listen anywhere by going to our website and clicking on the radio show for the live feature, or you can go in and listen to the radio shows that have been archived there for your convenience. And you can download our radio show on a variety of the other channels, and also our podcast, our books. All kinds of good information for education. Education, I believe, is the basic foundation of wellness. When you begin to know more on how to increase the quality of your life and learn how to include better lifestyle choices, you'll have better health. Better health does not come from drugs. Better health does not come from the advice of your physician. While they're all necessary, and I'm not downplaying them, but drugs don't make us healthy. Drugs may save lives in an emergency or in a crisis where there may have been an accident, a severe injury, or severe infection, something that is a critical crisis. But overall, drugs do not make us healthy. Nor does your doctor, unfortunately, know anything about health and nutrition. They chase disease. They don't promote health. So, your health is your responsibility. It is my responsibility for my health. And we need to learn how to improve the quality of our health. America is sick. America is riddled with disease that are caused by what we choose to do every day. 98% of all of our diseases are caused by our choices of lifestyle choices, good or bad. Good choices, good health. Bad choices, bad health. And I don't think anybody wants you to know that because drug companies only make money from sick people. So they're not going to help broadcast or instruct or educate to make people healthy. So, you have to do it on your own. You'll get some good information from this show. You need to do some reading. There are excellent health books. And just try to keep exploring new ways to be healthier. I don't care where you are in your life in terms of your health. 
you can get better. You may not be perfect, but you can get rid of fatigue, tiredness, anxiety, arthritis, and even cancer by doing the right things that improve the quality of your health. So that's why we're here. We're only here to share ideas and studies that prove that natural alternatives plus the foundation of your health is diet, food, not dieting, but diet. That's what your intake of food is, is a diet. By including the best type of foods will include a better quality of health and all the other things that go with it. But that's what I try to promote in this hour of health is to help you become healthier if you include some of these ideas. And today we have a great show coming up. In fact, this past year, year and a half, the world has been very anxious, depressed, and riddled with fear. So I want to do a feature topic on how to improve, promote natural relief of anxiety and depression. And then never skip breakfast. And the good bacteria is another way to promote good health. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about a new study, a brand new study, on red ginseng. And I'll introduce to you maybe a new herb. Many of you maybe know, some don't. But this herb is in the news more frequently today, and it's called berberine. And then we'll talk about how carbs, carbohydrates, influence heart attacks and how to improve a better night's sleep, especially for older people. Well, we can go on and on, but we have a lot of information that we want to share So let's just dig right into it and start with anxiety. Americans are really anxious. And there's a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of uncertainty. A lot of people unemployed. A lot of people that are not having enough food to feed their family, their children. In a country like America, this is not what I would expect. So there's a lot of anxiety. And anxiety is the most common mental disorder in the United States. Even more common than depression. It's no wonder that the anti-anxiety drug Xanax is the number one drug 
for mental illness in America. Almost 50 million prescriptions written annually. And there are major side effects for this type of drug. It can also include Valium. Xanax and Valium. Valium. Excuse me. <laughs> it's early morning. Valium. But here's one of the side effects. If you take either of these drugs, and this has been done on a scientific study, if you take either one of these drugs for at least 184 days, which is very common. Now those days can be in one stretch, 184 days altogether, or periodically taking the drugs until you reach 184 days of use. And after 184 days of use, there is a 90% risk factor of that person having Alzheimer's disease because the drug has done so much damage to the brain. And here are some more side effects. More common. Drowsiness. Dizziness. Insomnia. Memory problems. Poor balance or coordination. Slurred speech. Trouble concentrating and irritability. And some of the more less common side effects are diarrhea, sweating, headache, nausea, blurred vision, and increased appetite. And some actually have no appetite. These are all side effects from the drug Xanax that is prescribed up to 50 million prescriptions every year. But there's a much, much safer and more effective way to reduce anxiety. This is a safe relief ingredient for anxiety. This is a brand new study result. Randomized, double-blind, placebo control of 62 healthy adults having very high levels of anxiety. Half of these patients received a very unique extract of echinacea. Now I know many of you listening probably have heard of echinacea. Echinacea has been used what? Yep, you're right, for cold and flu. And it works. Echinacea works for cold and flu. I like to take echinacea for cold and flu. I like very special liquid extract coming from Switzerland. It's a very superior form. Great study proves that it's as effective as Tamiflu. But in every herb, there's a multitude 
of compounds. Where a drug is just one molecule, plants contain hundreds, if not thousands, of molecules and compounds. That's the way nature is. So when you take echinacea for cold and flu, that has a very high concentration of inicocytes and polysaccharides. And you probably might take anywhere up to 250 to 500 milligrams of echinacea daily. But there's a group of compounds in echinacea and gustafolia, which is the American form of excuse me, the American form of echinacea, and it has compounds called alkamides, not polysaccharides, but alkamides. And the scientists in Budapest, Hungary, researched over three hundred herbs to find this form of alchemides and they found it in echinacea. So it's extracted in Hungary for this very special extract of alchemides which affects healthy brain function not for cold and flu. So not all echinacea can be used to reduce anxiety. Only this very special form called EP107. And you only need 20 to 40 milligrams, not 250 to 500, but 20 to 40 milligrams twice a day. And half received a placebo for seven days. Now, each participant took a standardized assessment test called the State Trait Anxiety Inventory Test to measure their anxiety level at the beginning and the end of the study. The results of this study. The average anxiety score declined by almost 20% by day seven of day seven of the trial for the echinacea group versus only five percent decline for the placebo group. The echinacea group, those that were taking this very special form of echinacea, saw a level of twice the reduction in stress versus the placebo group, and no zero side effects, adverse events were reported while taking echinacea. Very, very safe. In fact, the top scientist in Budapest said that at the, at the Hungarian Academy of Sciences, they said this can be used very effectively for children over the age of four. In that case, you might only want to give them 20 milligrams daily. But there's no side effects, nothing, zero, zip. This is a very safe way to reduce anxiety without resorting to drug.
therapy. Remember that any old echinacea will not work. It will work for other things. Echinacea is a wonderful plant. I can't say anything negative about it or anything else, but in the case of anxiety, you can't use just any form of echinacea because it has to be standardized for the alchemides, which are very, very similar to the cannabinoids. So researchers in Hungary specifically identified a very unique echinacea species containing the right type and the amount of compounds at the right dosage to significantly reduce anxiety. And these compounds bind to receptor sites in the brain called cannabinoid receptors in the area of the brain that regulates anxiety. Now this test was done over a period of seven days. But I know people that have used this very special form of echinacea that was standardized for the alchemites and they saw results within minutes. People who may be fearful and have anxiety from COVID-19 fear, flying fear, speaking, giving presentations, or just worrying about the money. Where is it going to come from? I'm unemployed. I have a family to feed. Our country is in a mess. And people have anxiety. So this is a safe and effective way to reduce anxiety. Even some people have given it to their pets. Because pets have anxiety. They have separation anxiety. Where everybody goes off to school and work. And the poor animal is home all alone all day. Or it may be a dog that has extremely high levels of energy. Or they bark all the time. Or they crawl under the bed when they hear fireworks. Or they hear the fire engines. It can be used for a lot of different reasons. It is very, very effective. And no significant adverse effects have ever been reported in multiple clinical trials. And the results can be noticed within the first day. In fact, if you're going to fly to a destination and you had fear of flying, you may take 20 or 40 milligrams of this very special form of echinacea 
an hour or two hours before the flight. And all that anxiety and the fear is reduced dramatically. So anywhere from 40 to 80 milligrams daily will reduce your anxiety as effective as a drug without the side effects, without destroying your brain. How about trying not to skip breakfast? I did a report on when to eat and how to eat. Does that sound kind of, well, come on. That's kind of 101 eating. Why do we have to know how to eat? Because we can actually, by eating a great breakfast, reduce the amount of calories that we would consume over the entire day by almost by 500 calories. But most people skip breakfast. Don't skip breakfast. That's your most important day. Excuse me, your most important meal of the day. What you eat or don't eat for breakfast can affect your entire day energy level and how many calories you consume And from research shows that it also affects how long you will live. From research, they found skipping breakfast can shorten your life. Most people get up too late, don't have time, getting the kids off to school, or all the other things that interfere with us having a great breakfast, they skip it. And they might pick it up at a drive-thru someplace, and then what they're picking up is usually not very healthy. Mostly a cup of coffee and a Danish, or a cup of coffee and a bran muffin, or a cup of coffee and, and some fast food which is not healthy. But researchers have found that people who eat a large breakfast, and I mean large, just don't have a bite, burn twice as many calories that day than people who skip breakfast and eat a large dinner. And don't make your breakfast sugar and carbohydrates. Not a cereal. Not sugar. Not toast. And a cup of coffee. I've asked people, because I'm very curious, I want to know what people are doing. So I ask people, what do you have for breakfast? Oh, I eat pretty good. I have a cup of coffee and a piece of toast. What? You eat pretty good? How about having three or four eggs? Any way you want. Poached, boiled, I like, sometimes I like them all different ways. I like to kind of mix it up. Some days I'll have three or four poached eggs. Some days it'll be very, very soft scrambled. 
Sometimes it'll be hard-boiled eggs, which I chop all up and I mix with mayo. We want, we want to have a good, healthy, big, large, fat, fat, fat breakfast. Three, four, five strips of bacon or more. Sometimes I get a double order of bacon when I'm out with three or four poached eggs or boiled eggs. No toast, no carbohydrates. You want to start off with a fat breakfast, not a sugar breakfast, because after a sugar breakfast, you're hungry. You're going to want to eat again and again and again. And that all adds to fat. Fat and protein for breakfast will not cause you to gain weight. From a study called a META, M-E-T-A, a meta-analysis, which means that they gather a number of studies, and after looking from the results of all of the studies, they come up with one conclusion. And this meta-analysis of 19 studies, including over 93,000 people, found that skipping breakfast was always associated with a weight gain. When you eat a good, healthy, fat breakfast, you'll eat less food the entire day. A study from England, from the UK, found that being overweight decreased lifespan by six years to as many as 14 years for those who are extremely obese. Now, eat early, not late. Food eaten late in the day, such as lunch and dinner. A lot of people eat, skip breakfast. They have a light, light lunch, and then they pig out at dinner. So, food eaten late in the day or evening is more likely to be stored as fat and all that fat usually comes from carbohydrates and sugar. Instead of burned as energy, leading to weight gain. I have more coming right after this break. I don't want you to go anywhere unless you need to leave the program. Stay with us. We have a lot more coming up. We're going to be talking about a probiotic, the good bugs and why you should use them. And we'll do that right after this break. I'm Terry Naturally. This is your show, Terry Talks Nutrition. And welcome back, my friends. This is Terry Naturally. With our second portion of the program, Terry Talks Nutrition, we're here to the top of the hour, and we're bringing you more information. And in this segment, we'll talk about probiotics, the good bugs, not the bad ones, and particularly for your digestive system. We're going to talk about a new, brand new study on red ginseng, one of my favorite herbs. I have a, maybe I have too many, but I have at least five or six really, really are my top herbs, and red ginseng is one of those. 
We're talking about how to reduce triglycerides, the bad fat. Cholesterol is not the bad fat. Cholesterol is the good fat. We can't live without cholesterol. But the bad fats, triglycerides, we can reduce them. We don't need them. When they're too high, we have all kinds of heart disease. Not from cholesterol, but from triglycerides. How do you lower your triglycerides? We'll talk about that as well. So here we're going to talk about probiotics. The good bugs. Which has a multiple of benefits throughout your entire metabolic system. But we're going to focus on your digestive system. Three things that probiotics do for you. Are you taking your probiotics? Do you have a really good, strong form, strain of probiotics? Are they shelf-stable? That they will last for up to two or three years, if it's stated so on the label? Are they a good quality probiotic? There are some companies selling probiotics that are not even human strains. And some are selling probiotics in billions of bacteria, which makes no sense. They multiply so fast that within a day or two, you have your billions. But they will do. They will reduce your inflammation. And inflammation is one of the main factors causing all of our diseases. They will strengthen the intestinal wall. They will reduce intestinal permeability, like a leaky gut. They will strengthen and normalize the immune system. 70% of the immune function that protects our body against infection and viruses and bacteria and fungal infection comes from the immune system and 70% of that immune system is in the intestines. Researchers in Canada and other countries are looking at a combination of vitamin D and probiotics as a treatment for COVID-19. Plus, probiotics aid in food digestion. Keep harmful bacteria like pathogens from forming in the body. They keep them in check. And here are some reasons why I think it's important to add probiotics to your regimen, to your protocol of supplements that you may be taking daily. I have a good friend who has since retired, but he worked for the FDA for many, many years, and then developed a probiotic. And his message to all was, the only thing you need to be healthy is a probiotic. Well, I don't know if I would agree with that 100%, but he was so adamant after all of his research that he put all, his, all of his emphasis on a good quality probiotic. But the most well-known benefit of probiotics 
is to improve your digestive system. Here's a four-week clinical study with Lactobacillus plantarum. That's the name of the probiotic. And it reduced IBS symptoms, IBS symptoms, in 95% of those taking it versus only 15% of patients in the placebo group. If you have IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's disease, all of these conditions that are intestinal tract issues, 95% effective against reducing the symptoms of IBS. It's useful for any inflammatory digestive issue, including bloating, gas, constipation, diarrhea, cramping, pain from IBS, colitis, Crohn's disease, and any inflammatory bowel disease and more. There are other uses as well. There's research that shows that it helps to influence weight loss. Overweight women taking Lactobacillus rhamnosus, another form of bacteria. There are many forms of bacteria. For 12 weeks, lost twice as much weight as women taking a placebo. Recovery after colon surgery. Post surgery colon cancer patients receiving a probiotic had a 50% reduction in the incidence of diarrhea and a 15% faster return of bowel function than patients taking a placebo. This study was done on babies who had eczema or eczema. They were given probiotics. And the probiotic that they were given is called Bifidobacterium bifidus. Had a 36% reduction in their symptoms of eczema versus only an 8% reduction in the placebo group. Now, many people are given an antibiotic and probably many times for the wrong reason. Antibiotics are so easy to dispense. And people feel very comfortable getting an antibiotic. That in many cases, it is of no value. Antibiotics are commonly given for colon flu. Now, as you can assume, antibiotic means antibacteria. Colon flu is caused by a virus. Antibiotics don't kill viruses. Don't stop viruses. Don't stop viral infection. Only colon flu, only 2% of colon flus are caused by a bacteria. 98% of all colon flu and most infections are caused by a virus. But if you're going to be on an antibiotic, then you should have a co-treatment with probiotics. 
650 people in this study were treated with antibiotics and a proton pump inhibitor for H. pylori infection. 15% more people in the probiotic group recovered completely and had significantly improved health and fewer problems with nausea, gas, bloating, and diarrhea than the group receiving the standard treatment only. So if you're taking antibiotics, and you need to, I'm not saying they're bad for you, I'm just saying if you need to. Many times people don't need to take antibiotics. Doctors are treating the wrong thing. I think doctors want to make some kind of gesture that I'm helping you. I'm helping my patient. But in most cases, they're treating, trying to treat viruses with an antibiotic. And it doesn't work. But if you're on an antibiotic, then take a probiotic. Just separate them by several hours. Don't take them at the same time. In fact, I think the best time to take a probiotic is on an empty stomach before breakfast. Now, here's three things I want you to think about. Because it's really difficult to shop in most health food stores. Because it's hard to read a label. It's hard to know what's right. I even find it, after 50 years working in health and nutrition, I still find some labels to be so confusing that we don't understand what to buy. So here's three things I think that's important to think about when purchasing a probiotic supplement. First of all, probiotics are alive. They're a live bug, but they're the good bug. So don't worry about them. They're not going to hurt you. But they are alive. And you don't want to buy a probiotic that is dead. doesn't do anything. You're wasting your money. Might as well not buy it. So many times manufacturers know that their probiotics will die off in time. So when they make a capsule or a tablet of probiotics, those live bugs, over time, will die off. So if they put 10 or 20 billion probiotics in a capsule, in a year or two, they're going to be far less than 10 or 20 billion. So they will put a number of, say, guaranteed 20 billion at time of manufacture. That means the day they made it, there's 10 or 20 billion. They're not guaranteeing it for a year or two. Only for the day, only for the day that it was manufactured. So what you want to look for is a guaranteed number for the entire life of the product. So you want to look for something that says guaranteed 20 billion for two years. Not a time of manufacture. And the right 
kind of bacteria. And this is really confusing. The right kind of bacteria is more important than the big number of bacteria. So if you have a zillion dollars, but it's counterfeit, it's worthless. So big, big, big numbers means nothing if your probiotic is counterfeit. And a lot of times manufacturers use the wrong strain of bacteria. They're not even human strains. They have never been studied as a strain of bacteria. So it doesn't pay, if you buy 500 billion bacteria and they're the wrong strain, you just kiss your money goodbye. So you want the right kind, which is far more valuable than the reported huge number of bacteria. And look for probiotics that are naturally found in the human gastrointestinal tract. I can't emphasize that more. Some of the bacteria that's sold today from companies that are not human strains, they'll not hurt you. But if they're not human, they're not going to do you any good either. So the examples you want are Lactobacillus plantarum, Lactobacillus rhamnosus, and Bifidobacterium bifidum. These three are clinically studied human strains of bacteria. And these strains will last for two years without refrigeration. They're stable bacteria. They don't need refrigeration. So you can travel with them. Easy. And they are live bacteria for two years. But store them properly anyway. You don't want them near heat and humidity. Don't keep them in the refrigerator. Even though they're live. Because humidity. Look at, look at the humidity you have in your refrigerator. It's wet. Don't put it where it's, there's heat. Just keep it where it's cool and dry. Away from extreme heat. Now here's a brand new study that just came out on red ginseng. Korean ginseng is known as Panax Meyer. That's the species name. There is white ginseng and there is red ginseng of the same species. The white ginseng is just the type of ginseng that grows up to six years. Six years is a kind of cutoff point. It's great if you could find a 20-year-old ginseng, but economically, and also to give you the best results of ginseng, it grows up to six years. Red ginseng is the same white ginseng but that has been steamed or cooked. By steaming and cooking white ginseng to red ginseng, you increase the active components 
in ginseng. There are compounds called jacinocytes. And these jacinocytes in white ginseng have the possibility and opportunity to convert in the gut of the human into what they call the rare noble jacinocytes. But when you cook red ginseng or steam it, particularly of a type of ginseng that is hydroponically grown, not grown in soil, not grown outdoors, because the ginseng that's grown outdoors is attacked by pests. So they spray it with pesticides, herbicides, and fungicides for six years. The red ginseng that is grown hydroponically only needs to be grown for one year with no pesticide sprays, no fungicide sprays, no spraying at all. And the red ginseng increases through the growth of it of the rare noble jacinocytes seven times greater than white ginseng. Now that's a really rare form of ginseng. I love it. It has a tremendous effect on reducing stress, increases energy levels. It is one of my favorite herbs of all kinds. But they found in a study recently that it is a superior form of ginseng. Researchers compared the effects of a placebo, red ginseng, and white ginseng on brain activity in elderly patients with mild cognitive impairment. Each subject or participant in the study received each of the three treatments for four weeks. It was a 12-week study. So for four weeks, they got a placebo. And then they switched. And then four weeks, they got red ginseng. And then they switched. And they got white ginseng for four weeks. Now, each time they switched, they had to do a two-week washout period between each treatment to make sure there was no carryover residual effects from the first treatment. So each participant underwent a standardized mental function testing and measurement of their brain activity during each treatment phase. And the results... The overall effects of red ginseng, in this case it was called HRG, HRG, red ginseng, and white ginseng on brain activity were different. The red ginseng, HRG 80, increased brain activity in different areas of the brain associated with mental performance. In a previous study in healthy individuals, red ginseng was more effective than white ginseng at improving mental performance. 
about 200 to 400 milligrams daily. In some of the research, they use 400 milligrams a day for up to a week to kind of jumpstart the brain. And then after a week, they reduce to 200 milligrams daily thereafter. How do carbohydrates influence heart attacks? The dangers, and I say this all the time, America is sick. All Americans, 50% of Americans today, white, Hispanic, black, are obese. That means grossly overweight. 91% of Americans are over fat. That means they have more fat than muscle. They have the pot belly, the beer belly, the bread belly, all from carbohydrates and sugar. When we were brainwashed, starting in the early 1950s, about fats being bad for us, Everything was influencing a high-carbohydrate diet and sugar. Researchers collected data from over 137,000 people ages 35 to 70 whose long-term dietary intakes were tracked for 10 years specifically looking at their intake of high and low glycemic index foods, carbs. And the results, people whose diets were highest, about 20% of the glycemic index, were 50% more likely to have a heart attack. Fats do not cause heart disease. Let me say that again. Fats, cholesterol, do not cause heart disease. Sugar and carbohydrates are more likely to have a cause of heart attacks and heart disease, stroke, or even die. Especially if they had a pre-existing condition such as diabetes or cancer. And 20% more likely to experience these if they had no pre-existing, pre-existing conditions. High glycemic index carbs. Potatoes. White potato is like eating the most high glycemic candy bar you could ever find. White potatoes. The starch goes immediately into sugar. Bread. Pasta. Grains. Like rice. And from this study... Researchers concluded that the consumption of poor quality carbohydrates are likely to be more adverse than the consumption of most fats. Now, there are really good quality fats and there are very poor quality of fats. But fats are not the enemy. Cholesterol is not the enemy. In fact, cholesterol is so important that 
I don't know who you agree that made our bodies. I believe God made our bodies. And it is so important for the health of our body, the cholesterol, is that we don't have to look for it in food. Our body naturally makes the cholesterol. Now, if it makes the cholesterol, it makes it for your body and the level of cholesterol for your body. We make all of our hormones, adrenal hormones, sexual hormones, and many other hormones from the basic foundation of cholesterol. Even pregnenolone, DHEA, all come from cholesterol. We can't live without cholesterol. But we can live very nicely without carbohydrates and sugar. We get fat, not from fats, but fat from carbohydrates and sugar. Our body produces insulin to shuttle the sugar into the cell to be burned for energy. But the carbohydrate production is not sufficient to be able to meet the demands of the amount of sugar that Americans are consuming. So it doesn't get shuttled into the cell for energy. It gets stored in the body. And it's stored in the form of fat. So people that are overweight, overfat, obese, are consuming excessive amount of carbohydrates and sugar. One of the best things you can possibly do for your health is lower your level of carbohydrates and no sugar. That in itself will make a huge difference in your health. So that was my friends. I'm all out of time, but I'll be back here on Sunday from 8 o'clock till 9 o'clock Central Standard Time. I wish you would say a prayer for this crazy, crazy mad world because it's going to get worse before it gets better. And with that, my friends, I say God bless you and God bless America.